Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Greenest state in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett his equally far-out sister. They find themselves pitted against each other when they return from Witch Mountain. That minibus is following us. I command you to place obstacles in its path. She counteracts everything that Tony does. Molecular mobilization. Call it molecular mobilization, mental telepathy, or intergalactic energization. Whatever it is, this fantastic force comes down to earth in a new mind-boggling movie. Walt Disney Productions, Return from Witch Mountain. In 10 minutes, this place is going to be a hole in the ground. Let's be reasonable. I do not compromise. Why are you using your powers against me? It can move you to the edge of your seat. Walt Disney Productions return from Witch Mountain. Welcome, everyone, to another sequel week on Disney Plus movie podcast this is the be kind rewind your disney plus movie podcast almost forgot the name of the show that i'm doing i of course am dan teats and with me as well and with me as always kyra hawkins (laughs) words hard we're gonna make it through this yes one way or another yes we may be able to be kicking and screaming by the time we get through this, but we will make it. And if you are just now coming to us on episode 128, I think that's what episode we're on, welcome. I will go ahead and warn you that this is a sequel to a movie that we covered probably four to six months ago. This is Escape. Or No, I'm sorry. I'm not. I did it again. Return from Witch Mountain which is a sequel to Escape to Witch Mountain. Mm -hmm. So if you have not listened to that podcast, stop what you're doing, go ahead and download that one. We'll wait, and welcome back. That one was quite a while ago. It was over the summer because Keaton was home from school and we watched it together. Oh, was it? Okay. It's been been a while. Okay. All right. Yeah, that was in 1975, and we are on March the 10th of 1978. This one, unlike last week's, this movie, unlike last week's episode on Candle Shoe, I did find box office numbers for it. It did $16.4 million, which is only $75.2 million in today's money. And this movie actually did well enough that it got a third made-for-TV Disney movie, which we may cover in the 80s when we get to the 80s so in about uh six months or because so, we're almost in the 80s i can't believe it i know that's crazy covered almost 20 years since i've joined <laughs> and back in my day <laughs> so um was this one that you were familiar with or not so much or don't want to be um I think I said this in 
the um, when we talked about the first movie, but I was aware of this because my cousins, um, I grew up with 11 other cousins. Well, that included my brother and me. So um, there were a lot of us and my older cousins loved the first movie. I'm pretty sure they loved this one too, but it wasn't one that I had ever really seen at home. So it was, I was familiar with it, but I had never seen it. I didn't really know much about it. Okay. And I was aware of it because it popped up as a, you might be interested in at the end of escape, but I never watched it, didn't know it it existed until we started doing the podcast for this. Mm -hmm. And sadly, now that I've watched it, I still don't know that much about it. Yeah. I found that um, this sequel was a lot like like other sequels we've talked about where um, they do, like they mix it up enough that it's like, well, it's lost the charm of the original like not all sequels are oh it's not as good as the first but this one definitely falls into that category it wasn't as good as the first yeah but it did have the two main characters back which is good they didn't recast them or throw in a love interest and a lady Mm-hmm. To ride behind the, world, the wheel of Herbie, which I know is what you were talking about when we were talking about that were not as good as the first. Yeah, well, I mean, that and then um, the computer wore tennis shoes, that mm-hmm. series. And, um, but yeah, the love bug specifically, like, it just really lost something. Yeah. And, like, I, I think I know what it is, but we'll probably get into it um, as we discuss the movie. So... You said you revamped the synopsis that you found on Wikipedia. Yes, I hope that the original writer of that synopsis doesn't listen to this show. Um, I just made some minor edits to clean it up a little bit. It's still too long, I think, but I was like, (laughs) this is how I kept myself engaged through the movie. I know. That sounds kind of bleak, but that's that's what I did. (laughs) All right. Well, would you like to grace us with the synopsis? Sure. So our synopsis, as always, comes to us care of Wikipedia and (coughs) me. (laughs) And it goes a little something like this. Was that a good Dan impression? Okay, great. Um, Okay. Tony and his sister Tia are in need of a vacation. Uncle Benet drops them off in their flying saucer at the Rose Bowl Stadium in Los Angeles, California. After which, the siblings quickly become separated from each other. A man named Dr. Victor Gannon and his assistant, Letha Wedge, witness Tony using his powers to save Letha's nephew, Mr. Sickle, from certain death. Realizing that Tony has supernatural powers, Dr. Gannon drugs the boy with a tranquilizer shot and takes him back to their laboratory. There, Gannon successfully tests a new mind control technology on him. Under its influence, Tony is completely hypnotized and does everything his kidnappers want him to do, including stealing gold from from a museum exhibit and stopping Tia from finding them. With Tony at his robotic bidding, Dr. Gannon hopes to achieve recognition within the scientific community and worldwide power, while Letha merely wants a return on her investment. The Earthquake Gang, a group of would-be tough boys Tia meets, are being chased by a group of rivals. Tia telepathically gets rid of them, and the boys accept her into their ranks and help her look for her brother. They let her sleep in her in their they let her sleep in their secret hideout, where she has visions of Tony's location. Tia sees Tony at work in a gold museum. He is controlled by a chip attached to his ear. He unstacks the gold, but is followed by Mr. Yokomoto, the truant officer who thinks Tony should go to school, and chases the doctor, aunt, nephew, and Tony in his minibus unsuccessfully. In the chase, Mr. Yokomoto destroys public property and loses his job. Using her telepathy to find Tony, Tia discovers his captor's hideout, is caught by Sickle, and placed in an anesthesia chamber by Gannon. Unable to move, Tia telepathically asks Alfred the Goat to find the Earthquake Gang. 
The gang chases the goat back to the hideout and free Tia as Tony, Letha, Sickle, and Victor drive to a plant to steal plutonium. Tia traces their location and describes it as a big round ball. They come across Mr. Yokomoto, who tells them he lost his job, and the only thing that works is the radio. I don't know what that means. (laughs) The news given about the plutonium plant stresses on the word molecular flow. Tia then asks Mr. Yokomoto to drive them to the location after she magically repairs the minibus. After Victor and his gang reach the site, he shuts down the plant's cooling system. In exchange for turning it on, he demands $5 million. The people working at the plant make arrangements for the money as soon as possible, but Tia reaches the site in time where she and Tony battle to turn on the cooling system. Tia manages to turn it on, but Victor commands Tony to kill his sister. Tia realizes Tony is being controlled and destroys the device. Tony makes Victor, Sickle, and Letha go up to the ceiling with no way of coming down. Mr. Yokomoto drives the kids to the Rose Bowl Stadium and the Earthquake Gang come along to say goodbye. Tony and Tia bid farewell to the kids after they board the Flying Saucer and go back to Witch Mountain. As I was reading that, I was like realizing that parts of it are out of order. Um... (laughs) And so now I feel like I'm going to be back on Wikipedia <laughs> editing this synopsis again. Yeah, the and I, and I was reading along with you on the on the copy that I actually had put in on my um papers for today. It it was a bit wonky. You made it a little better, but yeah, it still has flow issues that yeah. should be edited by a professional such as yourself. I wouldn't say that. I would say, um, like I said, I was doing this as a way to keep myself engaged with the movie. Um, And I wasn't feeling particularly well while I was doing it. So I probably just didn't realize how out of order it was. I mean, it's the main points, but there's a few things that just should be moved around. If there are any um, professional synopsis writers listening, please go to Wikipedia and fix Return from Witch Mountain. Alright. So, first thing that struck me was we got Betty Davis and Christopher Lee of, from Star Wars fame. Mm-hmm. So, once again, the whole universe is interconnected. Even though, well, I mean, he played a bad guy in Star Wars too. Um, And... So we have Benny show up with a flying saucer that just happens to land in the Rose Bowl. And there's nobody calling and making any um, police reports or anything like that. So is the saucer invisible? Is it only visible to the people that are watching the movie? Have I already overthought this movie 33 seconds in? It's possible that um, they didn't know what they were looking at because the CGI here is so bad. (laughs) Um, Maybe they just didn't recognize what it was. Um, I mean, it was the 70s, I guess. But um, I thought it was kind of funny that they landed in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Like, I like, like, that was just a fun little, like, that establishes exactly where we're at. Yeah, we're in Pasadena, California. And they're going to Los Angeles for the weekend. Yeah. In the synopsis, I didn't change this when I edited it, but I thought it was so funny that it was like, the kids need a vacation. And so he just lets them go by themselves after they've been lost all this time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Uncle Jesse, so what do you expect? He's got them Dad Blame Duke boys to have to worry about on the weeknights. So he he can't handle them kids. I just, yeah, I thought it was strange. He's like... Well, I guess it's not that strange, because I think at one point he's like, you haven't had an opportunity to see what life is like here. So Mm -hmm. it's just, uh, I don't know. (laughs) And so Tony and Tia are told never energize unless it's absolutely necessary. And then we meet Victor Von Doom, for lack of a better term. And, of course, he's the bad guy. And... He's been working on this project for so many years, and yet when Betty Davis grabs at his little remote control, it shatters into a million pieces, and suddenly Sickle's almost dead, except Tony saves his life. 
Yeah, that was pretty shoddy. Yeah. Bad job, Victor Gannon. Um, and you don't have a backup device waiting in case that one goes on the fritz. Yeah, just the one like prototype, I guess. Yeah. I just didn't... I really didn't like... I mean, I know he's the bad guy, but I did not like Victor Gannon. I thought... Like, I didn't even like to look at him... He's just creepy. <laughs> so so he was a perfect bad guy then. If he's creepy, and not what he's supposed to be? I guess so. I, Yeah, that's a that's a good point. He's a great villain. I did not like... I didn't like him at all. Yeah. And I couldn't understand, like, why does Letha... Like, why did she rope her nephew into this? He seems pretty invested, but he's just like a goon. Yeah, and, and the thing with him is... It seems like this isn't the first time that he's been talked literally into doing something again. Because he's like, I'll do anything, but don't make me go up there because I'm afraid of heights. So you think that he's been manipulated against his will several times prior to this. And then you actually see the microchip, for lack of a better term. And it's just attached to the back of his ear. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I wonder how long they've been testing this on him. And, well, I just answer my own question in my mind. Like, if they've been testing it on him so long, why don't they just go public with it or whatever? But it's because they witnessed Tony using his powers that, mm-hmm. like, the goal seems to shift from, uh, like, just mind control and we'll use this somehow to make some money um, to we're going to get all the money now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... Tony does the good deed, and for that, he gets a tranquilizer shot, and he goes down like a bag of rocks. Good night. And Sickle picks him up like he's weighs 15 pounds and tosses him in the back of the car, and they drive off. Um, so I thought Tia, like, knows something's wrong, but then she runs into the Earthquake gang, like we talked about in the synopsis. Um... <sighs> I thought it was kind of, I think it's supposed to be funny that these kids are like talking about how cool their gang is. And, um, I don't know. I just thought knowing that there are really kids in real gangs, this isn't as cute as I think they think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be that it's 2023 and, um, I'm thinking in those terms. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> so when the, the earthquake gang, earthquakes i guess and the other boys whatever they were called the goon goons is that it that was it it was the goon goons because i rewound it to make sure i wrote it down right i'm like oh that's not great well (laughs) when the the two like goofy groups of gang boys um (laughs) and tia is like using her powers to help the boys that she's like kind of fallen in with um why did those boys not get super freaked out and run away the minute supernatural stuff starts happening? They just kind of stand there, and, like, yeah. let it happen to them. You mean the kids that weren't the earthquakes or the ones that were? Or both? The, no, the rivals. Oh. Like, that she's, like, turning barrels over on them and moving things around with her with her powers yeah. and they stand there like huh that's weird like like why didn't why didn't that freak them out it was I thought yeah was i mean if it if it would have been me the the second well no maybe not the second that the barrels turned over but honestly when the trash cans tilted down like little toy cannons and started shooting i would have been out of there in a heartbeat and you wouldn't have worried about me for the rest of the movie because i wouldn't have shown my face anywhere around them yeah like she turns those things upside down and puts them on top of them and they are just like oh what's going on like yeah you do you have no sense of self-preservation no go home to your mom go to school let mr yokomoto take you to school (laughs) i thought okay so (laughs) mr yokomoto I really wanted to like this character because he's just trying to do his job and he's mm-hmm. kind of funny. But I don't know why they included him at all. Like, 
he he just wasn't necessary. Well, I mean, I guess it was so that way they had a way to move the kids around from place A to place B without having to have them hire a cab or something like that. that yeah, so. And so when I actually saw Mr. Yokomoto, the first thing that I thought was that he was sloth from the Goonies. Is that bad? <laughs> um. And I actually looked him up to make sure that he wasn't the same person, and he wasn't because he actually died, I think, before the Goonies was made. Poor thing. Yeah, he died shortly after this movie yeah. came out. I thought I read. Yeah. Um, I felt kind of bad for him. He's just doing his job. Yeah. Kids are being brats. So, um, I mean, they are. They need to go to school. I liked how by the end of the movie, like, they decided, oh, yeah, maybe we should give it a try. Like, I liked mm-hmm the end of his story but i don't know he seemed like kind of a throwaway there was no character development for him he was just a plot device um the boy's hideout was creepy as heck i would not go in the house even if it was an alien from witch mountain well now first of all i wouldn't have been trusting a bunch of kids that have a skull and crossbones on the back of their vest I know. I mean, even if this is the 70s. Where did these, like, 11, 8 and 11-year-old boys all get matching vests? Like, you know their moms probably made them for them. That's why they think they're, that's why everybody thinks they're a baby gang, because their moms made their vests. Yeah, I mean, I, I laughed when they started talking about when does the ghost show up. Because... Yeah, in the house, I was like, yeah, this kind of looks like something that you would see in It or something like that from Stephen King. Yeah, that house is creepy as all get out. And, like, obviously it's, it needs to be demolished and it's probably going too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it is a freaky, scary house. I wouldn't have gone inside of it, just based on the exterior shot. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Tony's like under mind control for the entire movie, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Save for like five or ten minutes at the beginning and five or ten minutes at the end. And um I think that's what made this not as good as the original. Because part of what made um Escape to Witch Mountain as good as it was was the interaction between those two and mm-hmm. how they looked out for each other. Um like I pre I I don't know I thought about this a little bit yesterday and like I appreciated how much of the story rested on Tia um, that she got to be like the heroine mm-hmm. on her own but I think it would have been a better movie if they could have played off of each other like they did in the original yeah but yeah after he gets kidnapped for lack of a better term and tranquilized and put under. He comes around, and they give him a second shot, and it looks like the second shot is directly into his ribs. I didn't see that. Because they knock him back out, and then that's where they attach the chip with a little bit of glue, I guess, to the back of his ear, which kind of kind of makes you wonder if they took the chip off a of sickle and put it on him, or if he's starting to mass-produce these chips, or what's going on. And yeah. What, what is it attached to... That would give you mind control. Yeah, unless it's like some kind of brainwave scrambler. I don't know. I I didn't let myself worry too much about the quote-unquote <laughs> science behind it. Um, I just was like kind of having a hard time following or paying attention. I don't know. Um, I did love that the goat's name was Alfred. So, yeah. Um, in the original synopsis... Like, it's not in the one that I wrote, but it specifically names Alfred the Goat. And I, when I was reading it, I thought, well, why would they include that? And then it turns out that Alfred is so sweet. I love that goat. I was rooting for the goat the whole time. Him in the cab was like the best five minutes of the movie. Okay, I'm glad that you brought up the cab. (laughs) That cabbie. I mean, how did he make it 19 years driving without getting any kind of citation? And because, I mean, he's honking at everybody that even gets in the way of him. 
probably causing other accidents by honking at people. He was, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in his cab. I don't want him as my Uber driver or my Lyft driver, or I don't even want him being my DoorDash guy. Um, he was, he was pretty <laughs> yikes. So I don't know. So he was like bragging to Alfred the goat about what a great driver he is. Um, and how he's like, do you feel how fast this car is? I'm like, I don't think I want to ride in the car with someone who thinks they want to be a race car driver in a cab. Yeah. And the, and the outfit that he had was very reminiscent of what, um, Victor off of Y&R was wearing during Herbie's, Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. Cause it's he like, he was kind of wearing a racing outfit. Yeah. And I'm just like. Did they just pull you off of the Santa Anita Speedway and figure, let's go ahead and give him a role as being a taxi driver? And <laughs> yeah, just drive around. You'll be fine. Don't, don't worry about it. You, you've done okay. it for 19 years. You're not going to get a ticket That's until funny. you hit the cop car. I need to retract my statement. I wouldn't want to be in the cab with a driver bragging about how fast they are and how it's like a race car. Unless that driver is Jim Douglas, I will let G- Dean Jones drive me around. Da, 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 da. See, I feel like I need to rewatch this, but okay, back on track. Um, <laughs> Alfred the goat knocking the dude out of the cab so that he could get into the cab. Yeah. And then going on a ride with this doofus cab driver who's talking to him and he's just responding in goat noises and the cabbie doesn't realize it so funny every time he would like bleat a response to the driver and he would just keep talking to him it's like this is amazing so alfred the goat is trying to wait how how did alfred actually get out was that after she got Put it into the anesthesia chamber. Yeah, she like. Hang on, I'm going back to. Let's check the tape. She has. She like talks to him, but she uses her telepathic powers. Mm-hmm. I think she lets him out. Oh no, he lets himself out. She's like, uh, she's speaking to him telepathically, but he lets himself out. Okay. Busts through the door. Just. Alfred's scenes were my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think like he was able to alert the boys because he had something of hers. Because uh, he's like carrying something red as he's running through town. Yeah, and so they they track him back. They track her back down. Uh, so the goat steals the vest, and that's what makes the boys chase him back. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy enough in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, they, like, figured out, like, oh, he was with her. I mean, I guess if a goat showed up at my door holding someone that I know's, like, shirt, mm-hmm. then I'm, like, I think I'm supposed to follow this random goat yeah. to save my friend or whatever. Yeah, but I, 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 think, I think we're jumping ahead just a little bit because Alfred the goat gets introduced way before Tia breaks out or breaks him, has helps him figure out how to break out. Yeah, I think we just see him as we're like kind of getting some looks around the lab when they're mm-hmm. um doing all the stuff to Tony. Yeah. And so Victor says something about molecular mobilization, which I guess is his big word for mind control. And he tells Tony to break out of the bonds, and he does, and he sits up, and he's like, well, what can we do with this? And so he goes off to get more parts to make his second controller or whatever, and pretty much tells Betty Davis not to touch him, not to do anything. And she sees the Wells Fargo people having a $3 million um, gold heist sitting for their taking. Yeah. <laughs> So the gold heist I thought was kind of weird. Um, I like I know that everything happening in the museum while he's stealing the gold is supposed to be funny, mm-hmm. um, like the mannequins moving and just like all of this mayhem. Um, but I had a hard time laughing because it was in the middle of a commission of a crime. Yeah. 
by a kid who's being forced to do it against his will. So it was like, that kind of steals some of the humor until we discover at the, like in the, at the end of the, that sequence that he's been unstacking the gold from the museum and stacking it on top of the car outside. Yeah. And it's like all smashed that I laughed out loud because it wasn't what I expected. Yeah. And I've, I've actually, I've got a couple of notes about it. First off, why would they dress Tony in a khaki turtleneck and matching pants? I mean, that was one of the ugliest outfits that I could have... I didn't even dress like that. And I was a nerd back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, it was pretty gross. And so the first thing that happens is I think the stagecoach starts to go haywire. And then they have the... um, Coal cars start to roll out, and they start to run around. And then he starts controlling the mannequins mm-hmm. and doing weird and crazy stuff. And then we cut back to the stagecoach, and somehow someone has gotten inside of it, which who wasn't in there to start. Yeah. Because you didn't see them start to yell until the guy jumps up and tries to stop it, pulling the reins on the horses that aren't there. Yeah, all of this was it was strange. Like I said, I think it was supposed to be funny, mm-hmm. but I had a hard time laughing at it for one reason or another. Yeah, and so Letha finally tells Tony to steal the gold, make a hole big enough for the gold to go through, and he does. And as soon as the first block brick of gold goes out, I'm like. How does she expect to actually do anything with the gold that has been stolen from a museum mm-hmm. and get away with it? And then I start thinking about it because we're talking about $3 million in gold. And there's no way that a normal car could even carry that much gold, even if Sickle did very gently place each brick inside the car. Yeah. But that's, like I said, that was... I think the funniest yeah. part of this. Well, okay, back up. I'm lying to you. Um, huh? That part is funny. How the gold is like hitting the car. And then we like at the end of the scene, like I said, it pans back and it's all stacked on top of the car, which is like smashed. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point where sickle sickles like under the car um, while gold bars are just flying out towards him. I think it looks like I'm, I want to get it just right and pause but it looks as though that is very clearly like you can see the wood grain that is just painted wood like two by fours or something which i didn't i'm just now noticing this i wish i had seen it when i was first watching because i would have laughed at it then but like no i'm pretty sure you can see wood grain on these that's just painted you mean on the bricks of on gold? On the bricks, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, on the gold is two by fours. Um, and you can even see some, like, streaks of spray paint. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, great, great CG. That's funny. Um, I wish I had noticed that before, but now we've seen it, now I know. This movie just got 3% better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... They come out, realize that Letha hasn't told Tony to very carefully stack the bricks inside of the car and not destroy the car. And Victor comes up saying, what have you done? And then they abscond from the scene. And this is where we meet Yokomoto for the second time. And all the boys hop in and Yokomoto gets excited. Yeah, Tia, like, kind of, I guess, I don't think she tricks him. She's just like, oh, no, she does trick him. She's like, uh, yeah, we all want to go to school, but see that car? I need you to follow that car because my brother is in there, and he needs to go to school, too. So yeah. she kind of tricks him into chasing them. Yeah. Um, and so. Van flips. Well, trouble. no, it wasn't a van. It was a minibus. Oh, okay. Because. I don't know where it was said, but somewhere in... Oh, it was Victor. He said, look, there's that minibus back there. Get rid of it. And that's when Tony starts trying to move 
um, rail cars and yeah, that's true. Well, it looks like it's just a fifteen passenger van. Is that the same thing? I'm from the, I, I'm from the eighties, so tomato I, potato. Yeah. Well, his like truant officer van is but minibus whatever is all jacked up, and he's like uh, he knows he's gonna lose his job over this. Yeah. So my question is, this movie takes place three years after the first movie. Mm-hmm. Has everybody just been staying up in the mountains working on their powers? Because Tony's powers were nowhere near as powerful as what they are in this time. Because, I mean, he's moving freight trains in yeah. front of the cars and things like that. Yeah, they're getting stronger and better as they've gotten older, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tia's... I think in the first one, she was, like, the more powerful. Mm-hmm. Seems like she is here, too. Um, I just, man, again, I wish they would have let them interact more. I think it would have been a better movie if it had, mm-hmm. like, they'd been on the same team the whole time. They probably could have told a similar story. Yeah, maybe introduce a third person that's from Witch Mountain, and that's why they need to return to Witch Mountain with yeah. them. Or, like, even if he had been taken by Ganon and, like, put under mind control or whatever you want to call it, um, if that had been a shorter part of the movie mm-hmm. and not the whole movie, I think I would have liked this more. Um, well, they go to steal plutonium. From Plutonium Industries, a yeah. very awesome name for a obvious front of a sinister lab or something. Yeah, just kind of on the nose. Yeah, and this, but before this happens, Tony calls to Tia, quote unquote, calls to Tia, gets her snatched and um, chloroformed because she comes out, and when she comes to, she's in. The comatose neutralization. Mm-hmm. And this is where she starts to talk to Alfred and tell him to go find the kids. And this is where he hops in the car. Yeah, the best part of the movie. Yeah. The boys rescue her and then they're off to save the plutonium. Mm-hmm. Um, we meet Mr. Yokomoto again. I think that's where he's like, yeah, I lost my job because I tore up the van. Mm-hmm. Um. I like how they suddenly are, like, rallying around him. Like, I think they feel bad. Mm-hmm. For they what know. they had done, yeah. And the and, and I realized what they said in the synopsis. The only, the only thing that was working on the van was the radio. Everything else was completely destroyed. Oh, and then Tia restores it. Yeah. Um, it's a little ahead because it quite happen until the very end but she gets the van running like uses her powers to do that I like at the end where she fully restores it mm-hmm. um, it's obviously animated um, it made me think of Sesame Street a little bit <laughs> it just looked like that like Sesame Street quality of like mm-hmm. sequential animation where this is happening and I don't know it was cute it made me happy to think of Sesame Street. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with Sesame Street. That's what we watch a couple of days a week. So. Yeah. Um. So, uh, they're messing with the nuclear plant or whatever coolant. I don't know science. Um. <laughs> but like the part of this that really mattered the most, I thought, was that um, Tia keeps interrupting because she's trying to save Tony. And um, Ganon is just like, take care of her. Like, he basically just mm-hmm. tells him to kill her. And I guess, does she use her powers to rip that uh, monitor or chip or whatever off of him? I think she does, but that's after, I think that's like right before they, because they've already put the reactor back online and he drops a 125 ton crane on her mm-hmm. and doesn't kill her because she uses her force powers and holds him at bay. Yeah, I liked seeing them fight. Um, honestly, I I wish it would have been done a little differently. Like, I wish he'd had his agency and not been under mind control. Mm-hmm. Been, 
I think better if it had been some like Ganon convinced him to do this of his own free will. Mm-hmm. And they fight and he comes around and sees why he's wrong. Um, I mean, I guess there's, if you want to be real, um, <laughs> then it would be like the trauma of my brother tried to do this to me and how can anything be the same? Yeah, there, there would, there was better ways to, to get us to this point than just have him be mind controlled for 90% of the movie. But I mean, that's why we aren't making the big bucks at Disney. That's true. Oh, I see what she's doing. She uses her powers to destroy the like remote thing. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's what happens. And then she like takes the chip off of him. But, Mm -hmm. um, Oh, kind of skipped over, but the security guard, at this plant is like <laughs> the chillest dude I have ever seen that he like Tony raises him into the air and he's just like, Hey, what are you doing? Hey, are you going to put me down? He's not freaked out or scared yeah. at all. And then Tia brings him down and then he still won't let them through. So she raises him back up and he's just like, Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. You can't go in there without IDs. He's like, he's us. just like so calm. Yeah. Like, and he, and he's just hanging out there without a clue of what's going on inside. Just You're about chilling. to get killed and, and radiated and have three heads. And then we're in a totally different type of Disney movie. And so my question, and once again, this is the science not working. If you've got a nuclear reactor that is like 20 degrees away from being in total meltdown... Even if it's wobbling back and forth, how did how does it just turning it back online prevent a nuclear meltdown? I mean, they get it to because it has to cool or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they 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 turn the cooler back on, but it's still just like no. It just immediately L- better. L A L A and Pasadena are now a molten crater, and the rest of California falls off into the ocean. Yeah. Because that's actually what happened in Superman 1. <laughs> I've not seen that. Before Christopher Reeves went back in time and saved Lois and stopped other Warhead. But anyway. Yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, I've seen enough. I mean, they literally did that in Some of All Fears. They blew up Baltimore. Hmm. I don't think I've seen that either. Yeah, you didn't miss much. It was Ben Affleck as a Jack Ryan. Oh, okay. I I know what you're talking about. I've not. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um. Well, science. I don't know. <laughs> um. But it's funny to me that like they fix the problem with the plants, whatever it is, and then they. Um. Sorry about that. You then, got mail. <laughs> yeah, my kid's sending me requests, and I don't know why it's coming through on my laptop and not <laughs> my phone. Um, where was I? So they fix the issue with the plant. The day is saved. But then, um, they just like raise Letha, Ganon, and Sickle up. And like, are they left there? I guess the authorities will be there to take care of them, but they just leave them there. No, they'll bring down the chill security guard and he'll come in and see them and and say, hey, you're not supposed to be in here because you don't have IDs. (laughs) And then he'll walk back out. I like the security guard made me laugh. Like, I don't think it was supposed to be funny, but it was. Um, Letha makes some silly comment that's like, oh, horrible kids these days, just the worst. And then we don't see them again. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get another scene with Alfred, the cute goat in the back of the van or bus or whatever. Um, I just want to hug that goat. He just looks so sweet. Um, She blows him a kiss. He, like, bleats at her. And then this is when she has, uh, she uses her powers to fix Mr. Yokomoto's bus. Um, Again, it looks like some kind of Sesame Street level animation this happening. And it just filled my heart with so much joy. I don't know what else to say except that this is the best Alfred and this van repair. It's my favorite part of the whole movie. It's worth watching. 
just the Alfred scenes and the Van scenes? Well, I do have one thing that made me chuckle at the very end. After the kids are taken into the Rose Bowl by Tony and Tia, they just fly them over the the, um, gate and they walk in and they see the UFO and Uncle Jesse's there waiting for them to come back. And he asks, where is your luggage? Oh, well, we lost it. Oh, okay, whatever. And then the UFO takes off. And the kids come back out. And they're like, well, let's try what Tony and Tia did. And they put their hands together. And they wait for levitation to happen. I didn't that. Oh, they're trying to fly over the gate. And they yeah. Can't. And they're like, all right, well, I guess we'll just climb over like we do everything else. And <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I think I watched this I watched this part at work. Yeah. And so then they hop in Yamamoto's Yokomoto's excuse me, that's a very bad stereotype. Yokomoto's van. Yo-yos. Yeah, I thought it was cute, their nickname. He he's so happy to take these kids to school. They're like they agreed that they'll try it. Mm-hmm. Just cute. He was cute. And, of course, he doesn't believe that there's a UFO until he turns around and sees it. And then it just flies off back to which mountain? The end. I think we get another shot of Alfred in the back of the van. Yeah. So cute. And, yeah, then they fly back. They return to which mountain? Yes. Um, And that's that. The end. Science. All right, so I just looked on Disney Plus, and the TV movie is not on there. All right. So I have a sad. Yeah, it would have been nice to finish the trilogy. Yeah. Maybe well, we will. Right. Maybe we will in 2009 when we get to The Rock, the reboot that never happened. Because I think they were talking about making that into a trilogy, too. Yeah, they only did the one. Yeah, because it did not do well in the box. That's too bad. Think. Well, and now, like... <laughs> Dwayne Johnson is so busy, and those yeah. kids are all grown up. Yeah, and now he's done, and now he's doing Disney movies. So. What is that? Was that Anna Sophia Rob that was in that? Probably. I think it was. I'm trying to pull it up here. Yeah, Anna Sophia Rob. Oh, Scott, I love him. So, yeah, she's busy too. I think she's had quite a bit going on. All of them are, and they're so much older now. It'd probably be yeah. hard to make that happen. Well, I mean, it, it that actually did double its budget, so I don't know why they didn't make it, because I think they, it had to make at least a time and a half at this time for it to be considered, I don't know. I don't know, I'm, I'm talking. I'll be glad when we get to this one. Um, I'm trying to think, like, if we've covered almost 20 years of movies since I've been on the podcast, which, believe it or not, has been about a year, Um give or take a couple weeks, then, um, okay, 80, I bet we get there in the next year or so, 18 months. Oh, should be, let me see, I'm trying to, yeah. I'll be glad to cover that one and compare it. I know I've seen it, it's just been a long time. To Bolt, another good movie. We have got 216 movies to cover in the interim. Does it sound less optimistic? <laughs> we will do it, but there may, but that's also including movies that might not be on Disney Plus too, because some of them are Paramount movies and things like that. So that's true. Well, plus, I mean, it's one thing to say we've covered twenty years of movies in a, about a year. Um, there are some movies, or some years rather, that they will have made a lot more movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually think that starts happening in the 80s because we're talking 5 and 80, 5 and 81, 3 and 82. Yeah. So it'll start to, yeah, it may take us longer to get through. Yeah, 20 years. 20 years to get to 2009. (laughs) All right. Well, is there anything that we've missed on your notes? No, I don't think so. Okay. Let's go ahead and hit three questions so we can send us off into the mountains of the witches. Let's go. Question number one. What is today's impact on this movie? 
I think, yeah. first of all, given the fact that we are now in the Avengers era, and considering what we saw when um, Drax did not pilot the ship invisibly, yeah, you wouldn't have come in and not had alien reports and have government officials waiting for you to take you to Area 51, and then we got a totally different movie. I... Yeah, there's that. There's um they would have been recruited into something. Yeah. Um the Avengers or the Thunderbolts, which we don't <laughs> have yet in the MCU, but it's coming. Hey. Um yeah, like my my like smarty pants answer is uh to today's impact of this movie is um The Rock. <laughs> But that I keep forgetting that 2009 was actually a long time ago. Yeah, it was 15 years ago. That's so weird. Time. Okay, <laughs> so um, technology, like there would have been cell phone video of some of yeah. this stuff happening. And... Yeah, it would have been a whole lot harder to say, oh, well, this just didn't happen. You just saw what you thought. Yeah. Well, no, there was that there was that camera right outside the Rose Bowl that caught the kids levitating over the fence. Yeah, it would it it would be a totally different movie because it would have had found footage and. Yeah, there's just you, so many you ways. Wouldn't, you wouldn't have to worry about Tia tracking down Tony because as soon as somebody reports a kid missing, then the cops jump into action and. Soon Christopher Lee is apprehended by the authorities on um, child endangerment, child kidnapping. Lethal would have been arrested for racketeering, embezzling, money laundering, illegal um, human experiments. <laughs> yeah, totally different movie. Um, this is... Maybe I should have thought of this sooner, but um, I want to check and see... <laughs> Okay, so the taxi driver at the end of mm -hmm. the movie that Alfred rides with is the same driver at, that uh, they get in the cab with at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. I didn't catch that until just now when it occurred to me, like, I wonder if it was the same guy. It was. <laughs> oh, um, one thing. Did you notice that there was a um, one of the kids... That was in the Earthquakes was actually out of the Apple Dumpling Gang? No, I didn't catch that. Clovis. I don't remember who Clovis that was. Clovis was, I want to say he was uh, Muscles. Little kid with glasses. Yep. Oh, yep, there he is. Hi, buddy. Good to see you again. Yes. And so there's that. Um, Getting far afield from the question, sorry. Um, yeah, this this would definitely be a much different movie if it were made today. And given Disney's track records of remaking movies, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't try to do something with it. Yeah, I don't think I would be mad if they brought back another Witch Mountain movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't love this one. I won't watch it again. But I enjoyed the first one. I'm feeling the All right. Nothing that I thought it was cool. Um... Is this movie mirrored in culture? Yeah. We have kids jumping over fences using extraordinary powers and levitating things and causing all kinds of muck, muck, muck. Yeah. Nuclear power is like a thing that happens more yeah. now, I think. And um, it's pretty scary if they think there's going to be something like that. So, I mean, I think we've had a few close calls the last few years mm -hmm. uh, just globally so yeah not to mention the way that movies are made with it happening at the beginning or climax of a movie as we've mentioned a couple of them mm -hmm. um how does it fit into today's society or does it fit into today's society i think maybe not i could probably come up with a different answer if i spent a lot of time on uh, I mean, I know there's people smarter than me that, like, write whole papers about stuff like this. Hmm. Um, but if you just ask me, an Oklahoma idiot, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to think. My brain's mushed this time of night. 
How does it fit into today's society? I mean, it, I don't think it fits into society itself, but with the plethora of superhero movies, TV shows, video games, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they were to redevelop the Witch Mountain kids, if they weren't to turn them into like X-Men or something like that and throw them into the MCU. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um... This is a little bit random, but I'm looking at the cover art or cover photo of this movie on Disney Plus right now. And it's like the shot of where they're levitating over Mm -hmm. at the end. Um, If you zoom in just enough, you can see like where the wires or whatever they're hanging from is like pulling on some of their pants. Like, like that looks really uncomfortable. Um that is probably the wedgie of the century. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, and see when when I looked at the at the cover art for it, not doing anything, I was like, Oh good, are we gonna have two, four, six kids that's gonna be members of the group? Yeah. Because this... that, cause wasn't that the way that they left it at the beginning of the first movie that it was supposed to be they're gonna go out and look for others of their kind? Yeah, at the end of Escape to Witch Mountain, um the old man whose name escapes me, but he was so sweet, was <clears throat> excuse me, like wanting to uh find other lost kids from this group and return mm-hmm. um help them find their way home. So yeah, this picture that they use for the cover on this is kind of misleading Mm -hmm. Um, because it does give the impression that there's more kids I mean there's more kids in the movie but there's not more kids coming from Witch Mountain Mm -hmm. you don't know until the end of the movie that this is a shot from the end of the movie but it it made me a little bit excited like ooh are we going to actually have more kids with powers and what do they do and where do I join them? And no, they're just kids in a gang. In a gang, yeah. In quotation marks, because they didn't have to do any initiation rites or anything like that. Was just it... a kid gang. It's yeah. like a secret club, more than anything. They have a secret hideout. <laughs> a very creepy secret hideout. Yeah. Well, I think we did it. We solved the Witch Mountain mysteries. <laughs> yes. So, for those of you that have stuck around, thank you for listening to The Blathering of an Idiot and a Person from Oklahoma. (laughs) Um, If you have something that you would like to tell us, you can drop us an email at BeKindRewindDMP. The DMP does stand for Disney Movie Podcast, and that is at gmail.com. If this is your favorite movie, let us know why. Let us know what we missed. Let us know if we're overthinking things, because... We tend to do that on movies that we don't like as much as other movies. And if you have any questions about that, like Kyra said, go and listen to our Best Five, Worst Five, which I think was on our 100th episode. Yep. And then draw your own conclusions about what you think about them. And write us, leave us a review, tell your neighbors, tell your friends, tell a random stranger on the bus. And let us know how that went as well. <laughs> um next week we always leave you with homework. Sometimes the movies are duds, as was last week's episode, and this for a little bit was the same way. Next week should be a little bit more fun because it is the cat from outer space. So that is your homework. And as we always do at the end of the episode, we tell you to stay safe, stay hungry. And watch out for kids with skulls and crossbones on their back of their their matching vest. (laughs) That their mama made them. That their mama made them because they are up to no good. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye.
You bebopping to the music? Yeah, I need some theme music. Dum da dum da 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 dum. No, not that. <laughs> no? Okay. 